by their refusal to consider going into temporary rented accommodation to rescue these deals, and not least by their general destructive haggling over trifles. I'd lost count of the properties the Cookson's themselves had walked away from at the eleventh hour, upscale dwellings that ticked every box on an evolving wish list that had taken the three of us out to look at converted windmills and maltings, a superior Georgian townhouse on the square, a riverside apartment with long views and finished in oak and granite, a wool merchant's cottage with sizable vegetable garden out towards Woodstringham. The paths of the couple's individual whims, hers at any moment, for a circle of yews, his for an authentic chef's kitchen was wine cellar, rarely crossed. If one light went on, another went off. You saw them bickering quietly in their car. Once I heard Mrs. Cookson refer to me as that fucking creep Hemming, which seemed a little severe, though in the circumstances I was lurking in a recess on the landing directly below them as they stood disagreeing about the aesthetic merits of portal-style windows, I suppose she was right. "'Do you think the Cookson's actually want to move house?' Katya said frequently. "'They probably do now,' I thought. "'But who could tell?' They'd been in the place sixteen years. Their children had flown. He was a dentist. She owned four pharmacies. Now in their mid-forties, and better off than ever, they seemed to me stranded between possible bad choices, not just between grandstanding and downsizing, but between staying in this marriage for the rest of their lives or breaking free of it. In their terse exchanges about decor or room size, you saw a larger sense of purpose draining away. They were looking for something, but a new home together, wasn't it? Rather, they seemed engaged in a passive war of attrition, with house-hunting as their chosen weapon. I didn't like the Cookson's one bit, but they did fascinate me. The last time I had seen them, or in fact failed to see them, was some months before their trip to the sun. I'd arranged to show them a new architect-built concrete jewel of the place with a gym and pool. I arrived a little early, checked the rooms, the automatic blinds and lighting. I ran through the blurb Katya had put together. Then I waited, pacing the rooms, pacing the drive. After twenty minutes I called Mr. Cookson. He was playing golf. "'Are you sure it was today?' he said. I told him that, yes, today was the day, and paused to allow him to apologize. He didn't. "'To tell you the truth, I think my wife may have lost interest.' he said. Normally I wouldn't have minded too much being stood up. In other circumstances I would have used the time to snoop around the house while the vendors were out. But here there were no vendors, or at least none with real lives to look into. Just the usual developers in the habit of dressing their high-spec rooms in modish finery. A leather and chrome corbusier chaise, a shag-pile rug, deluxe drapery and linens. Nothing to suggest living, breathing occupancy or personal taste. No stamp of a human form shaping its nest. I locked up and walked. The wind was cold, but it was dry. When time and weather permit, I walk. From our office, and Hemmings is bang in the middle of the town map, on the north side of the old square, there's nowhere you can't get on foot within half an hour. And what better way to sharpen the focus of everyday blur into readable information? My habit is to take arbitrary diversions. I move like a window shopper. My antennae are alert to unusual sales clusters, incursions from rival agents. 
I take the trouble to read the fluttering notices pinned to fences and telegraph poles warning of private building projects or public works. I note what scaffolding is going up, contractors' vehicles, the contents of skips. The smell of fresh paint puts a spring in my step. I can spot the red dot of a newly installed alarm from a good distance. Occasionally I make use of my opera glasses, an indispensable tool of the equipped agent. But as I make my rounds, I ask myself, who fits where? In seventeen years in the business, I have sold properties on every street in town, very often more than once. I might forget a face, but I have to tell you, I never forget a house. So, as I approached town, cutting down Bussell Avenue, broad and well-to-do, its pavements blown with leaves and horse-chestnut flowers at this time of year, it was only natural that my eye would register a figure some fifty yards ahead, emerging from number four, one of a pair of thirty suburban villas set back from...